You're listening to Sue's Little Black Book, part of the Redshift Community Podcast Network. This podcast is brought to you by Creative Connecting in Cheshire. Hello, I'm Sue France, and each episode I will be introducing you to the inspiring and motivational entrepreneurs from my Little Black Book. Today I am welcoming my good friend Tony McKenzie to the Little Black Book podcast. Tony, please introduce yourself. Hello, Sue. Thank you for inviting me to your podcast. I am a psychotherapist, hypnotherapist, mindset coach, and author of my best selling book, Your Flight to Happiness A Seven Step Journey to Emotional Freedom. I'm also a mum to my two adult children and my two furry felines. Now, I've been listening to your story for 10 years, and I was thinking today that when I first heard your story, you used to give workshops and talks to my events. And in 10 years, your story has actually changed quite a lot. Quite a lot has happened in in 10 years. But I thought we'd start today by talking about the first bit, the bit before I met you, what happened to you and how come you're doing what you are today? So the beginning of your story. Okay, well, I can go back to the fact that my previous occupation, if you like, was an air stewardess. I worked for one airline for about three or four years and the other one for about nine years. So it was quite a significant period of my life. And during that time, I had some really exciting and interesting experiences. Then I got married with the intention of starting a family. Eventually, after the two cats, two dogs, two children came along, And I was very happily married, had everything I wanted in life until one day my kind of world as I knew it went crashing to the ground and I found myself in a very difficult position. I was actually virtually homeless. I was in a temporary house with two very young children, aged three and six years old. My ex-husband had left the country with the equity from the sale of our family home and we kind of pretty much had nothing except each other was which was the most important thing obviously my children were more important than any money but it was a very difficult time but let's not dwell upon that it was very difficult for a time I know worse things happen to people but that doesn't take away how how difficult it was but anyway very soon after licking my wounds for a while I had to keep on going for my children so I picked myself up And I decided I'd go to college and retrain because I hadn't been working for a while. I'd I'd given up my job as a stewardess to look after the children. And I started off by studying psychology. That then led to me training as a counsellor. I did a three-year training course as a person-centred counsellor. And then over the years, while I was practicing as a counsellor, I was continuing to study and do further courses and read books. And I learned about the power of the subconscious mind. And I felt that just working with the conscious part from that point forward wasn't enough for me because the conscious mind is only five to 10 percent of your mind and the subconscious is 90 to 95 percent. So I went and trained as a hypnotherapist. And while I was doing that training, I heard about NLP, which is Neuro Linguistic Programming. This is 15 years ago. Then I heard about EFT, Emotional Freedom Technique, which is also known as tapping. And it would actually be 15 years on the 5th of December, I set up my own private practice. So I've been 
working for myself prior to that as a counsellor, I worked in the NHS and some private organisations as well. But I've had my own business for 15 years and seen thousands of clients, helped thousands of clients change their lives by changing the thoughts they think. And along that period of time, or somewhere along that line, what's well, 2016 to be accurate, I wrote my book and I wrote it with the intention of sharing all the lessons I'd learned along my journey from that plane crash at low point to picking myself up, to learning how to take control of your mind and how your thoughts create your feelings. It's not what's going on around you. It's how you think about them. And I put those lessons into practice and totally changed my life, rebuilt my life and became the strong woman I am today. And I wanted to help as many people as possible be able to use those tools and techniques. So I wanted to put them in my book so it was widely available as well as seeing clients. And I've also given talks Sorry, the book is after I met you, Sue. Yeah, I was just thinking, we met in 2010, didn't we? We did. I think the book was something that was going to happen, which was yes. so exciting. Yes. I've gotten carried away with my story, sorry. <laughs> I was carried away listening to it. Yeah. It was fine. <laughs> so it was up until 2005, I mean, it was 2005 when I set my business up and then I met you at around 2010 when I started going to networking events I met you very early on along my sort of networking journey. So I remember that neither of us had spoken very much in public and we went to a three-day confidence course didn't we with Catherine Sandler yes. learning how to speak okay. in public and you've gone leaps and bounds since then We'll come to that but you even speak in America now don't you? Absolutely yes yes <laughs> yeah. When I met you in 2010, we had no idea what was to follow. No. So tell us a bit about your book. I've already talked a bit about it before, yeah. in advance, actually. I said about I wanted to share the lessons that I'd learned. Those seven steps to emotional freedom, which are in the subtitle, are the main lessons I learned. And it's about taking control of your inner voice, checking what you say to yourself, what you tell yourself is likely to become a reality, so make it positive. It talks about mindfulness and meditation, about gratitude, about having a positive mental attitude, all the different ways and tools and techniques that you can put those things into practice. Each of the seven steps has a tool or technique at the end of the step. It became a bestseller within days of being published, actually. It was right up the, at the top of the Amazon charts and in popular psychology. And I think it got to number five. The Secret, the phenomenally successful The Secret, was at number one. And my all-time favourite book, up until I wrote my own, <laughs> was called Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway by a woman called Susan Jeffers. And that was the first book I read that kind of set me on the path of moving forward and feeling the fear and doing it anyway. Amazing to see, it was actually one place below my book in the charts. Her book was number six. Incredible. Five. And The Secret was like really influential in my life, as was Feel the Fear. And to see my book up between those in the top five, six books, it was just incredible. And it sold really well. I've had some wonderful reviews, testimonials, and I'm very proud of it. And something that I once thought, how could I ever write a book? Who am I to write a book? But it happened and it's an amazing achievement. 
I think your book has made a lot of difference to a lot of people's lives. And I love it when people write in and tell you how it's affected them. I remember at the beginning when you first wrote the book, you didn't always bring it with you to events, did you? John and I used to say, bring your book, show people your book. Now people actually ask for it when you get there, don't they? That's right, absolutely. I think it's because I used to get quite excited about going to your events in particular, getting all dressed up and going out for a lovely lunch or an afternoon tea. And the book or networking itself was far from my mind. I just wanted to go and enjoy myself. But then I thought, yeah, actually, I'm supposed to be networking as well. So why not do both and start remembering to take it with me? But your book is very well known now. So one of the first things when you meet people, I found they they ask you about your book straight away and they want to see it, don't they? They do, yes. And I've been asked to talk in various different groups about my book which is, you know, I'm very grateful for the opportunity to do that. So then lockdown came. <laughs> no more lovely events, no more lunches. Mm-hmm. And your business had to change as well, didn't it? Could you tell us a bit about what's happened to you in lockdown? When it first happened, I had clients booked in advance, as I normally do. I see clients, generally see clients in my therapy room in Alteringham. Worked with some clients online, but mostly they were more local. When lockdown happened, I had to, of course, cancel the clients I had booked in over the coming weeks. Obviously, they had to as well, because nobody was allowed to go anywhere. They knew that they had to cancel. And I said, I can see you online. But they all said, no, we'll wait. Because, of course, at that time, nobody knew how long it was going to go on for. Didn't have an actual length of time in mind. But I guess I imagine it might have been a month or so. And, of course, it went on and on. And then business went very, very quiet. So I did some work on my business and on creating a course that I'm planning on bringing out next year. But slowly but surely, there are, well, there are more people out there than ever who need help, who need therapy, who are suffering from anxiety and depression and all sorts of other associated issues connected to their experiences during lockdown, as well as other everyday experiences. But there weren't enough people people at first didn't feel comfortable with working online but over time I think people decided well it's that or nothing either I don't get any help or I go for it and it's been really successful when you're working with someone you can see them on zoom or whatsapp or whatever and you can make that connection and the methods I use can still help people just as much although it is lovely to be in the same room and feel that sort of energy you can work very successfully online too so business started to pick up again and there are a lot more clients now working with me online and I suppose you can treat clients from all over the world can't you they don't have to be lonely I have done that. I've worked with clients in America, in France, in Switzerland, have various different people who had been recommended to them by people they knew who were former clients. And I was asked whether I'd worked with a young man in Paris and another chap in Switzerland and then several in America. So I knew I could do it. um, I knew it could be done. And a lot of people only work online, actually. A lot of therapists do. And I think obviously during this time, because so many people have been doing their jobs, all sorts of jobs online, having meetings online, it will change things in the future. I think it will continue to be. It'll just become more normal, won't it? Yeah. Yes. Speaking of other places and America in particular, 
you're known as the Manchester studio now, aren't you? The Brooklyn Cafe. Will you yeah. tell everybody about that? Well, it all started with you, Sue, really. When, I, when we go back to the beginning, when lockdown started, you asked me, would I present five lives over a week, Monday to Friday? And my first reaction was like, gulp. I'd never done a live before and felt a little nervous about doing it. There's all that, when you're live, what if I dry up? What if things go wrong? As soon as I kind of got that feeling, I had a word with myself and I was like, you can do this, say yes, go for it. You need to, because now so many people are doing lives. So I agreed to it and I just prepared a different talk for each day. And similar to some of the things I've mentioned that are in my book, mindfulness meditation, doing EFT tapping about the thoughts in your head. And so I prepared what I was going to say. And to my surprise, I was very comfortable with it. I was very comfortable talking to the camera rather than real people. And it really built my confidence. From that point forward, I was quite happy when I was asked to do lives in other groups. So through doing the lives in your group, Sue, somebody asked me to give a talk in their group. And from that talk, somebody else asked me to give a talk in their group. And the lady who runs the group was having a different guest each evening throughout lockdown. So I did mine on, a, say, a Wednesday. And then I watched the lady who was doing hers on a Thursday. And she was an American lady. And when she came on, she started raving about me. And I was, like, really taken aback. She'd apparently watched my talk the night before, ordered my ebook. She's in America. And also ordered the uh, paperback to be sent out. And she was going on about how wonderful my book was and how great I was. And I was like, well, really? You know, you're supposed to be talking about yourself anyway. The, the lady that runs the group sort of said, oh, I'm sure Tony would love to hear that. Now tell me about you. So that was fine. Then from that point going forward, this lady, Brenda, she'd won a competition to present her own weekly half-hour TV show. And she told the producers there are two producers who do a particular show. They have various different shows on their network. They invited me on to talk about my book. That was a few months ago. And that was all well and good. It was a great opportunity to talk about my book in America and tell people how they can buy it on Amazon as well as other stores online and certain bookshops. And it is available worldwide via Amazon. But that was the end of it. That was a one-off or so I thought. And then about a month ago, the female producer contacted me and said that they would like me to be the, what was the word? It was like, not a spokesperson, but somebody. Correspondent. You're their correspondent. Uh, that name, we moved forward to correspondent. But first of all, it was something about being their sort of face or there's another word for it. It doesn't matter what the word was, but representing their show because they wanted it to go out more, much further into Europe in particular. I wasn't quite sure what they wanted me to do, but I wrote back and said, well, that sounds interesting. Tell me more. I didn't hear anything for a couple of weeks and almost forgot about it. And then I heard from them and then we had a discussion online face to face. And what they really wanted was for me to introduce, particularly to start with women who um, were interesting, inspirational, women who had something to say, to share that their viewers would be interested in. So that sounded great because I've met so many inspirational and interesting women, mainly from your group, Sue, as well as some of the other groups. I said, oh, when are you thinking of starting? Thinking, she might have said, oh, about a month's time. She said, how about next Wednesday? So I was like, oh, right, okay. <laughs> so I had to sit down and start thinking, right, okay, who can I contact? And well, the first, first sort of episode, if you like, or segment of the series, I originally said, well, let's try it for three months and see how it goes. So we've just come to the end of the first month. 
I've done five. The first one was all about introducing me as the transatlantic correspondent for Brooklyn Cafe TV, their, their show. I went on my own. And then the next week, you were invited on Sue as my yes. first guest because most of the women who are going to follow you have followed you and are going to continue to follow you. I'd met through you. Dawn, the producer, was very interested in meeting you as well because she's very interested in networking and how we've all connected. And since then, we've had three wonderful guests. I've got two more booked in, but I've got a list of names of people who've asked if they can come on the show, but I'm just kind of taking it week by week. And what a great opportunity to uh, sort of be seen and to give other people the opportunity to talk on an American TV show. Definitely going from strength to strength. And I know when you were on yesterday, they called you the Manchester Studio. So not just a correspondent anymore. <laughs> You're the studio. Freddie, the uh, male presenter, when he came on, he was like an over and out or Manchester Studio. And he's like, yeah, I quite like that. <laughs> Sounded good. Yeah. What I like about seeing you on that TV show, and in fact, when you do your lives on my page and on other people's pages, it always looks very good in your room. You're always dressed in a very glamorous fashion. The room always looks peaceful and calm, but beautifully decorated. So it's actually nice to watch. That's quite an important part of it. You put people at ease, I think, and they feel calm watching you, which is all part of what you do, isn't it? Well, yes, it is, of course. Yes, it just becomes, it's kind of, I'm not just one way as a therapist and one way as a person. It's kind of a general, you know, it's who I am. Yeah. Well, before we end this, I just wanted to say a bit about our friendship. We've mm. had a few adventures together, haven't we? We, we have. love the same things. We love clothes and going out for dinner and going to nice places. And we've been to London. We've been to Marbella. We've been mm -hmm. to Mallorca. Where should we go next, do you think? Well, Freddie last night on the show said that they were going to get me flown over to Miami when the covid is all over so that would be amazing <laughs> come to my might stow away i might try and come as well <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's been great talking to you and i think this shows we met through networking so i think it shows networking is not about building business relationships is it you can build true friendships through networking oh, yeah. as well absolutely and i think it you know, that's important it's not about for me, and I know for you, Sue, it's not about going out networking with a bunch of cards in your hand and trying to get clients and just talk about your business. It's about getting to know people, building friendships and relationships. And when people get to know and like you, they will, if they ever need somebody who does what you do, they'll think of you. Or if they know anyone that needs help, but then they, you know, they will pass on your details. And that's the way I like to network in a very relaxed way, which is why I particularly love your events. And I'm missing them so much because they're actually my social life. <laughs> me, me too. I'm me sure. too. If anyone wants to contact you, could you just give us some details? My website is www.innerdepths, that's I-N-N-E-R-D-E-P-T-H-S dot co dot UK. All my contact details are on there, my phone number and email address. And you can even download a section of my book if you would like to, just give a free excerpt. And there's a free relaxation recording that you can download too. So... If you'd like to go to the website, you'll soon see if it's on each page, there's a little box where you can just 
put your email address in and automatically be sent those two free gifts. Well, thank you so much for coming on Little Black Book today. And thank you also for your friendship. Take care. Thank you. Thank Bye. Thank you for having me. Bye, Sue.